Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number six of A Ball with Eric Ose. This is Eric Ose, and it's good to have you with us. We have a special guest with us today. They're always special, but this time we'll be chatting with the first-round pick for the Miami Marlins, one of the Marlins' top prospects as well, Connor Scott, who was kind enough to take some time with us and chat with us about a week ago out in Clinton on what was a rainy day. We were putting that one in the can because this broadcaster, he was on assignment over the weekend, so we record this part of the podcast from Dayton, Ohio. The Lumber Kings in their longest road trip of the season currently, so we record this on May 6th, and that is both the longest in time on the road, nine games in total, and also in mileage. We're going to be going out to Bowling Green, Kentucky as well. That series will be May 9th through the 11th. A swing through the Eastern Division, though, that had started back on May, or rather April the 30th against West Michigan, the Whitecaps and the single-A affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. And the Lumber Kings playing some really good baseball behind some phenomenal pitching and really all eyes focusing on a Chris Valamont start that had happened against the South Bend Cubs series that early on was dominated by pitching. Valamont in Game 2, which was on Saturday, May the 4th, a professional career high for strikeouts, and we had him on the podcast last week, so a good guy to pick up right where we had kind of left off, but 12 strikeouts against the South Bend Cubs. That professional career high was good enough to give Valamont his first win of the season, and it is well-deserved because Valamont, as we have well noted, he's just been bit by very little run support, sometimes none of it at all. Remember, Valamont had to wait three starts until he got one run of support, and that had come on a solo home run by Bubba Hollins in Peoria, and the Lumber Kings still lost that game 2-1. to one. So finally some run support for Valamont. Lots of strikeouts with the 12 of those. A power pitcher that we had touched on last week when he had joined us. I mean, a guy that can throw 97 miles per hour, so it's pretty easy to see how these strikeouts can pile up. And it came over six innings of work, so that was a quality start for the Lumber Kings, which had come after a quality start on Friday, May the 3rd, in the opener of that series against South Bend from Humberto Mejia. So the Lumber Kings, who have had some very strong pitching, and that is evidenced, in fact, by their overall team ERA of 2.95 and a starting ERA of 3.48, but the first time all season long that they had consecutive quality starts. And just weird to think about, given how strong they have been, but really that is just speaking to the early nature of the season, just trying to get the arms stretched out as you hear at this time of the year. The Lumber Kings certainly having those arms stretched out, even in their only loss against the South Bend Cubs, which was on May the 5th on a Sunday. That was another very well-pitched game. Alberto Guerrero, who was hit pretty hard, I could say, early on in the season, he's starting to settle down, and he's got a pretty nice breaking ball, as we're finding out, especially when he spots it on the outside corner, kind of that go-to strikeout pitch for him against right-handed batters, and he turned in another six-inning start. So Guerrero, very sharp. He got a no decision, though, for that timeout. So Lumber Kings would lose that very late in the game on a home run by DJ Artis of the South Bend Cubs, a kind of anomaly for the Cubs because they only had eight home runs after that series had come to an end. On the flip side of that coin, how about the Lumber Kings? 25 home runs now on this season. That is the second most in the Midwest League. As again, we record this on May the 6th here in Dayton, Ohio. And that is very odd to say because, remember, if you follow the team for the first week of the season, they had none, as in zero, home runs. And then Michael Donatio hit one. And ever since then, the floodgates have really been opened. Have five home runs by Gerard Encarnacion, five home runs by Sean Reynolds. He may be a, a new guest that we might have to wrangle up here because Sean Reynolds right now is on fire at 1.3 consecutive home runs, and it occurred in double headers on May the 
first. That was a double dip with the West Michigan Whitecaps. He homered in both of those games. And we'll give you some of the advanced metrics on how hard the balls are hit by Sean Reynolds. And you would imagine so. I mean, the guy's six foot seven. He led the New York Penn League in home runs and RBIs a season ago. And his first home run in that string of three straight days of home runs for Sean Reynolds, 456 feet. It was straightaway center field, and it was a no-doubter. And if you ever go to the old ballpark in Clinton, you do not hit too many no-doubters in straightaway center field. But Sean Reynolds certainly had it because as soon as he hit it, the, the walk had begun, and it was well-deserved. 456 feet. I think at the time, that was even longer than any home run hit by a Miami Marlin at the major league level. Then the next day, Reynolds comes back, he hits another home run, and the exit velocity off the bat, 113 miles per hour. So it's safe to say that Reynolds is very hot right now. He's cooled off a little bit against the South Bend Cubs, but still the average has been risen by over 100 points because, remember, Reynolds had begun this season going 2 for 40, and the average was .050, and you would start scratching your head like, oh, this could be some worries, but really not to worry because when the hit started to come for Reynolds, at one point he had an on-base streak for the Lumber Kings, really everyday first baseman, of 15 games. And that had run from April the 17th through May the 3rd. Also speaking to the patience of Sean Reynolds with the amount of walks that he can draw as he comes into this contest, which is, we should say again, recording this on May the 6th, the opener with the Dayton Dragons. And so for the Lumber Kings, game number 29 of their 139-game schedule. And Reynolds has got 19 walks, and that is tied with Christopher Torres, who is currently on the injured list with 19 walks, which is among the league leaders in the Midwest League and kind of complements the power that Reynolds does have, not just the five home runs and the 15 RBIs, but you look at the average of 198. Well, the on-base percentage, very impressive at 330, kind of the full package and complement that Sean Reynolds has had. He's really been not only the everyday first baseman, but the everyday cleanup hitter for the Lumber Kings. So it's been very interesting to see. We knew the power was going to come because, well, that's just Sean Reynolds and how he plays the game. But, wow, it's we see it in batting practice. It's translated now into the games, and it has factored into several of the Lumber Kings' wins. What it did mean kind of oddly, though, the Lumber Kings have not been a streaky team, and that is quite putting it mildly. This is just kind of a record anomaly, so it's neither here nor there. The Lumber Kings won four straight games from April the 17th through April the 20th and then did not win consecutive games until they beat the South Bend Cubs in the first two contests of a three-game set on May the 3rd and May the 4th. So that's two weeks of baseball right there. And the only other consecutive streak they had had were a pair of losses, which were interrupted by a rainout on April the 27th. So the Lumber Kings have really, it's been a win here, a loss the next night, a win this night, a loss the next night. And so the record right now is it, Again, we record this on May the 6th, 15 and 13. And that is fourth place in the Western Division, three games back of the Quad Cities River Bandits, who just simply have not lost. In fact, the last time the Quad Cities River Bandits had lost a game was against the Lumber Kings out at Modern Woodman Park. It was a pretty uh, flooded outfield. I think we had talked about that. Hopefully, those floodwaters will be receding. But if you watch the local nightly, or if you watch the national nightly lose, I should say, you can see that it's not looking too good right now for our friends down in Davenport, so our best wishes to them as well, as it has made for a bit of an odder schedule for the Lumber Kings, but things have kind of returned to normalcy now with the road trip here against the East. The Dayton Dragons are the single-A affiliate on the Cincinnati Reds, and the Lumber Kings will be taking on some of the top prospects, a team that is very talented, although as we record this, in last place at 10-19, that's seven games back of the Great Lakes Loons, but just an example 
example of the talent that will be seen in this series and a test for these Marlins prospects will be the arm they face here. Now, when you hear this on Wednesday, this start will have already occurred, but Lion Richardson taking the ball for the Dragons, and that is a second-round pick for the Cincinnati Reds from a season ago. He's been roughed up at times, but a very young arm and a live one, too. 97 miles per hour has been the top out on the fastball for the right-hander. Did have a sore elbow, which had shut him down last year as a precaution after being drafted out of high school, and that'll be some of the talented arms the Lumber Kings will be seeing through this Eastern Division Tour. And then, of course, we'll see maybe Wander Franco out in Bowling Green, one of the top prospects in all of baseball in the Tampa Bay Rays organization, which of course is the single-A affiliate, the Bowling Green Hot Rods, and the defending Midwest League champions. So it'll be a very fun trip for the Lumber Kings as they come through this part of the country and the league for the first time in three years. Last couple of seasons, the Dragons and both the Hot Rods had come out to Clinton to visit them, so it has been a mix-up of sorts on the schedule-wise and beautiful ballparks out here in the East, and nothing really better here than in Dayton, downtown Dayton. Bricks, the fifth, third field, if you ever get a chance. They've got the Dragon that I think snorts smoke after Dragon's home runs, but we're hoping that that will not be on display too much here in this series. When we come back, though, we're going to be talking with Connor Scott. As we mentioned, one of the top prospects and first-round pick by the Miami Marlins from a season ago. Scott taking some time to talk with us on a rainy day. I believe it was on the rainout for the Lumber Kings on April the 30th in West Michigan. And the first thing that people will notice if you just follow box scores for the Lumber Kings, you may think, oh no, Connor's got a 191 average, and that's been under the 200 mark for much of this season, but it's one of the hardest 191 averages you will see. In fact, we got to find the hard hit rate for Connor Scott. It's something we'll be talking with him about because for the longest time, Scott's average, which was even lower than that, it was around the 130, so he's kind of picked it up a bit. Well, he didn't have any home runs, but he was hitting the ball so hard, and we asked him, you know, is there some frustration there? He said, well, of course, you know, you're hitting him right at him, and He's got lots of extra base hits, the six doubles, a triple, and then his first home run of the season, it ended up winning the game for the Lumber Kings against their bitter rivals, the River Bandits. But Scott will be talking also about all the other interests he has. I mean, this is one of the big hunters on the team, and there are quite a few of them, so we'll be talking about that with Connor Scott as well, just trying to get to know one of the big hopes for the Miami Marlins rebuild, and that is Connor Scott. He'll be talking with us next when we come back here on A-Ball with Eric Oz. Welcome back here on A-Ball with Eric Oz. We're now joined by one of the top prospects, really the top prospect here, first-round pick for the Miami Marlins in 2018, Connor Scott. Thanks for taking the time here to talk with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm talking to you on, uh, we should say, on April the 30th. This is a Tuesday here in Clinton, a very rainy day, off a, a league-wide off day. How was that off day for you? Was it magical as it was expected to be? Yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely a good day get some rest and uh, and hang out with the boys. Yeah, how do you feel, like, just your first impressions here of the beginning of the season? Because the schedule, right, it's 140 games, which is a lot, right, even if you have played the travel ball and the high levels of baseball at the amateur ranks. And through that first month, how much were you looking forward to that first off day just a, a week ago, right, on uh, on Sunday, I guess, at Easter? Yeah, um, you know, it was great. Um, a lot of us went and hung out. You know, I got to be able to talk to my family a lot during that day just because, you know, we weren't at the field and all that. Um, 
you know, it was a good day to just, you know, call back home and, you know, FaceTime your family when they're all together. And, uh, you know, it was just a good time to, to relax. And So know, no issues so far with the, just the grind of, uh, of everyday baseball here in the A-level? That's good Live, to hear. Living the dream. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking here with Connor Scott, and as we mentioned with the Clinton Lumber Kings, what was that moment like when you got assigned to uh, full season A-ball? Because when we talked with you on the pregame show, you mentioned that is a big moment, right, for everyone here getting in April for an opening day assignment right out of spring training into a full season affiliate that the Lumber Kings are here in the Midwest League. Yeah, it was awesome. I think we were all super excited. You know, it is it is an honor to be here and be in a full season team and be out of extended spring training, which, you know, which I think is a lot of the guys that were that are here now were were in it last year and went over to Batavia. So I think they're all super excited, and I think it, we're super excited. The coaches are super excited, so should be fun. And it seems like it's a, it's a good group too. They've been playing pretty well. We should say this: two games over five hundred uh, on the season as we record this again on April the thirtieth. First win too. I'm not sure if you knew this, but the first win at Modern Woodman Park that you just had in two years for the Lumber Kings. So that wow. was pretty cool. Okay. And that was an island too. So yeah. we've talked about weather a lot here in the Midwest League because that is really the theme, I guess, of the first two months of this season. So you've got weather, it, whether it's snow or rain or cold weather. It's raining today too as we record this. The Lumber Kings postponed against the West Michigan Whitecaps, and it just seems like it changes all the time. Does that affect your preparation at all, and just the mindset of of going in with? maybe uh, the, the elements that you don't talk a lot about baseball because it's more of a football thing, but there have been elements here, right? Is that affecting the game at all or just something to contend with? Um, not not really. I think it's, you know, if you just keep it a game, you'll be okay. You know, um, I, th- I thought I was getting away from the rain uh, <laughs> when I left Florida, but I guess I didn't. Um, I wasn't expecting it to rain so much. Maybe a little snow. I was expecting a little snow, so we've had some snow, so... You know, I've been around rain delays my whole life, so, you know, it doesn't bother me. You just got to stay loose. Yeah, I'd say so, because uh, the, the rains, which, as we said, have followed us, they have led to some postponements here, but they have you haven't gotten away from them at all from your days out in Tampa, but we're yeah. wondering if we could just pick your brain on what the road was like to becoming a first-round pick. Imagine followed very closely in the high school ranks. Were there coaches and family members, too, that maybe you could highlight along what I'm sure was a, a long journey, even here to Clinton, right, and, and getting that first-round selection. So what what all went into that? That, that journey from the amateur levels now into the professional ranks? Um, you know, it just started, you know, I was in a good area. Tampa is a really good baseball competitive area. You know, we've had a lot of first-rounders and top prospect guys come out of there and big leaguers. And, you know, I, I, my parents, um, you know, did everything for me that I asked, everything I needed for summer ball, travel ball, whatever it was. Um, I think the biggest part of it was, was going, going through middle school. I went to a small private school. Um, you know, so I played every sport. I played soccer, basketball, um, baseball. I think that's all we had. And, uh, you know, I think just just growing up and, like, I lived in a, a good neighborhood with everyone that was – all the kids were my age. So we'd always play backyard football, basketball, wolfball. Anything you could think of, we played. And I think that was the a really big part of me, um, you know, growing up just – so it could be athletic you know I think it's a lot different nowadays when you got all the Xbox games and all that stuff so I think the biggest part was growing up and you know being outside all the time playing and uh, then I went into uh, Plant High School which is really good really good baseball high school I had best coach I've ever had um, you know he helped me through everything those four years uh, it was really awesome we had two first rounders when I was a senior or when I was a freshman they were seniors. Wow. 
Um, so, you know, just being with them um, really helped me. And then when I got drafted this past year, um, this offseason, I worked out with a lot of a lot of um, older, older top prospect guys that are, you know, big leaguers or about to be big leaguers or, you know, stuff like that. So, Well, that, it's, it's remarkable, too, that you have that, that group because you hear it a lot that – other uh, other sports really an important role for players is kind of maybe uh, you know getting uh, exposed into different areas and then maybe drawing upon that on a baseball diamond when they they don't know. So was it always baseball as far as the most important or the most interested sport that you had or did that change maybe growing up? Because I think as a kid my favorite sport changed depending on the seasons, right? Just what was being played at the time. So um, I did I played football for one season when I was in eighth grade. And uh, my mom. So it went that well, huh? One season. (laughs) Well, I actually loved it a lot. Oh, really? I liked it a lot, but my mom, my mom wasn't a fan. Um, (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah, I played, I played quarterback and I played safety and a little bit wide receiver. Um, so my mom wasn't a huge fan of me running around hitting people. So yeah, that's what moms are for to tell you this. This is not a good idea. Yeah. So, uh, so she pulled me out of that. But I think baseball has always been the main thing for me. Um, I played basketball competitively a little bit but uh when i got to high school it was all baseball what uh positions were you playing in basketball if they if it was a, a type of level where positions were actually assigned it was i didn't play did, in that little up those did numbers levels. okay did numbers so I, was the, I was number five or number four so, okay so yeah. maybe maybe a big Center. man yeah, yeah yeah okay i have to work in the paint yeah <laughs> well you're listed as a a five tool player of course we when we get the rosters we start knowing a little bit more about the guys because we know who all is coming here and of course Connor scott's going to be the big name that jumps out as a first round pick is that a five tool player where where do you do you see your game that you're working on maybe the most and focusing on here in 2019 because five tools of course supposed to cover all the facets of baseball but here you are and you're of course very young right 19 years old we can say that one of the younger guys on the lumber kings team but what are you trying to focus on here in 2019 and maybe refining one of those tools or or a couple of them here i think honestly all of them you know um for me being such a young player um in professional baseball i think you know you gotta you gotta work and get better every single day with everything you do so you know you gotta get your speed better you gotta get stronger you gotta get more weight you gotta hit better you know i think everything um you know you just gotta you gotta kind of grind everything away and you know kind of polish it up every day and i think if you keep doing that that's how you make your strides towards and is that where the uh again to go back to the schedule where that can kind of help right it's just repetition because it's it's every day as we said that first off day took three weeks to get here for that to happen so you really have no hiding from it because it's every day to focus on that and that you can kind of feel is that grind that so many players talk about that it almost becomes like a cliche but it perhaps is one of the truest things that is in baseball because it's always hanging over your head, right? And you can already feel that as we get towards the the final day here in April. While well, the uh, Clint Lumber Kings, as we mentioned, with uh, talking with Connor Scott as a first-round pick for the Miami Marlins last season, you mentioned that it was an exciting moment for uh, your entire family and probably for those backyard friends that you had playing football and baseball. Who was the most excited of them all when you when you got that call very early on in the draft process, we should say? Oh, I would have to say my my mom or my dad, obviously. Um, you know, they were super ecstatic. Uh, we had all of our family over, and after I got drafted, all of our close friends came over. So, I mean, I think everyone was super excited. Obviously, I was I was excited. I was lost for words, but you know, I would, I would probably say my close family was 
And, and that's got to be really neat, too, because as we mentioned, you're a Florida guy. Now, of course, you know, Tampa more in the uh, the Rays territorial zones, if we're getting into that, into the weeds of it. But, you know, the Florida Marlins or now the Miami Marlins. So uh, you mentioned a connection that we were talking about with you out in Peoria is just a guy who feels really a, a part of this team, you know, from a, just being in the native state of Florida and wanting to bring a championship home to them. So that must have also added to just the cool factor, right, that you're not going too far away to the Major League uh, Club here with the Marlins. And you mentioned when we had a questionnaire for you, you a player that you really liked growing up, Christian Yelich. Maybe Marlins fans don't want to hear that right now because he's yeah. having a lot of success with the Brewers. But uh, if you could talk a little bit about just uh, the importance and maybe some uh, similarities and, you know, being somewhat of a fan of the Marlins growing up in that area. Yeah, I think, um, you know, growing up, you got, you know, a couple of baseball channels and, you know, whatever area you're in is kind of the game that plays, you know, so it was either the Rays were playing or the Marlins were playing. So you either watch one of those two games. So I grew up watching both. Um, I grew up a fan of both, you know. Um, the Marlins won those World Series when I was pretty young. I was yeah. pretty young. But you, you don't have to say that because, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> making but, uh, me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was just, just watching them, you know, growing up. And, uh, you know, I just liked watching baseball. And those were the two teams I could watch. So, you know, I got to go to games whenever I could. And, you know, being picked by one of them is was really awesome. And I'm really glad where we're at. And I think the Marlins are going to be a great team. Yeah, and they, and they welcomed you right in, it seemed like, because, I mean, your first-round pick, so, of course, you're going to be getting the phone calls right from the guys, and that's Derek Jeter, of course, a pretty well-known name throughout the baseball channels and now on the business side of things, but they bring you out there to Miami. What was that like to see the Marlins, of course, embrace you right away, bring you into the uh, the fold, so to speak, and maybe feel like you're part of that, that rebuild that the Marlins are trying to put together right now, um, that you see all the talent now, especially here in Clinton? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had, you know, kind of getting a feel for, uh, you know, what you got to work for, um, you know, get to that big league spot. And I was there for um, I was there for two days. Uh, I did my signing one day, and then the next day I worked out with the team, sat there and watched the game. So, you know, I had, I had a great time. My family was with me, which is even better. Um, so we got to experience that all together, which which I think was awesome. And, you know, we had a great time. Well, let's go over the 2019 season because we've had some games now in the books. You had a bit of a scare for us, at least, when we saw you uh, come up to the second base bag on a double down the line and out in Peoria. And then we didn't see Connor Scott for four days. So uh, everything going all right now because it seems like you've been atop the lineup for several days. So that's all good and ch- taken care of, I guess, now. Yeah, we were all good. It's kind of a precautionary thing. Of course, right. So that's always good to hear. We always say whenever the player's still with the team, it's always a good sign. And that was yeah. the case for the uh, the Lumber Kings. And as we mentioned, you at top the lineup. We also saw you in left field for the first time this season uh, out in Quad Cities. What Was that interesting, at least, a different look? I'm sure you've been out there before. I think Mike was telling us just to give you some extra fly balls, and you should be fine, right? Yeah. Um, I haven't played left field, actually, since freshman year of high school. Oh, wow. So it had been a while then. <laughs> it's been a while. You looked like a natural out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take some extra fly balls and BP and uh, – you know, take some stuff, uh, a little extra stuff from uh, fungos and stuff like that. So, you know, it wasn't bad. It's still baseball. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess the uh, it, it was good that it was during the day, I guess, for the Lumber Kings. You didn't have to contend with the lights of the Ferris wheel down at Modern Woodman Park, which sometimes can be a factor, as we found out a couple of years ago. Well, again, we're talking here with Connor Scott, first-round pick for the Miami Marlins in 2018, current Clinton Lumber King. We've been... Uh, 
talking to you about the 2019 season here for you. How do you feel that it's been shaping up? It seemed like a, a bit of a rough start early on on the offensive side of things, but we've been saying about it on the broadcast that you've really run into some bad luck because every time we're about ready to make a call for a ball in the gap or a hard-hit ball, or it seems like it's an atom ball or someone right there, and it just turns into a, an out. So yeah. how is how do you feel the season shaped up early on? Um, yeah, it was rough kind of early. Um, you know, recently I've been – I've been feeling good at the plate, um, you know, like you said, just hitting them at them, uh, which, which stinks, but, you know, it happens. You know, it's, it's baseball. we got 120 more games to go, so I'm not worried about it at all. Well, if we could pick your brain on one game in particular, and that was, I think, against the Beloit Snappers. Uh, Connor Scott was coming up every game, hard-hit balls, and they were turning into outs. And there was comebacker here, comebacker there, or a line drive to the outfield, and there was a guy right there. Well, then he hits the uh, essentially the game-winning home run <laughs> out into uh, right center field. So was that just your frustration of fine? I'll just hit it over every one of them, and it turns out, of course, to be the uh, the game winner. So it seemed like, you know, from our viewpoint in the press box, that that was kind of a well deserved home run, right? To finally have something to show for what was at that point. If you just look at the box score, whoa, Scott's really struggling again. He's over three again. Well, it doesn't only tell us about half the story. So that that game in particular, did you feel like that might have been a, a, a significant one for you out of the uh, the multitudes of them early on here? Yeah. So uh, the the first inning, I had a line out um, to the – I think it was the shortstop. He was playing behind second base, mm-hmm. which I thought was for sure hit. Uh, the ever-shifting then, defenses. And then the next next at-bat, um, we had a hit and run on, and I lined out to the second baseman. Um, and then the next at-bat – I'm not sure what I did the next at-bat, but uh, the at-bat hit the home run. We had a man on second base. We had one out, and – you know, as a left-handed hitter, you got to do your job and as to get him over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking to pull something, um, you know, hit to the right side of the field, get the guy over, and and luckily, you know, I I clipped one and I hit one good, and uh, you know, so if if you just do your job, you know the baseball karma is gonna gonna follow you around so yeah it seemed like the baseball gods had finally delivered the scales of justice for 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 a little while as again we're talking here with connor scott the clint lumber kings center fielder we can say even though he had the the day in the sun out in left field down at modern woodman park wanted to uh, also talk to you about that because that has to be a weird experience right let's just go over that series we kind of touched on it because the lumber kings they start as the road team at home you hit the home run, wins essentially game one of that series as Lumber Kings would go on to defeat the River Bandit 7-2. to Then the series shifts down to Modern Woodman Park, which for Lumber Kings, a commuter, and it looked like an island because the Mississippi River, as we joked on the broadcast, is looking more like the Mississippi Ocean right now, and it is everywhere. And so I know that you know you just try to focus on the baseball of it, but it come, becomes hard after a little while, right, for it not to at least enter uh, some part of the mind, as it were, and uh, play, I guess, the first couple of home games of the season for the River Bandits, and I guess you guys were part of it. But was that experience an odd one for you, if you can call it a road trip at that yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it's just all part of it. You know, you gotta you gotta serve your dues, and and you know, um, that's just part of pro baseball. Is you know having some weird travel things, and uh, I think what we were supposed to do was have like three or four games in forty hours or something, something crazy. Yeah. We were gonna have a night game, and then uh, two early ones, and then the next day we were gonna have a have an early one again. Um, so we were supposed to have a funky lineup. We got rained out, um, and we ended up just not playing one of the games which which was 
I guess. Yeah, good, I, guess. I know, kinda, right? Kinda, yeah, we, we didn't realize that we had run into some good luck, even though it, it didn't feel like it, because yeah. we might have argued you if you told us that. Yeah, <laughs> you was, guys are uh, lucky, <laughs> really. Had, yeah, we had a we had a tough schedule for that weekend. Um, I think we we're all pretty happy with taking a two and two with them. Um, they're a pretty good ball club, I think. So, yeah, I, th- I think we played good. I think uh, if we keep playing like we're playing, I think we'll be we'll be able to win a lot more ball games. And do you have any thoughts on the shifts that you had seen against Quad Cities? Because Quad City is the single-A affiliate of the Houston Astros. They're like their parent club. They move around all over the place. They're never yeah. in one place. Was that anything different for you or anything that changed at all for you in the approach at the plate? No, you, you can't really worry about it. You just kind of – all you got to do is hit the ball hard. You can't really worry about where it goes. Well, um, so. well, we'll let you go with this because uh, we're running out of time here. We're Again, we're talking with Connor Scott, but um, we had the off day, and now I guess kind of an off day because we're rained out, if you can call it that. But you mentioned when we had talked with you on the pregame show, Big Hunter, right? So yeah, when we said, uh, what would you be doing if you weren't in the professional ranks of baseball? Professional Hunter, so that means it's pretty serious for you. How long have you been doing it, and uh, what is, I guess, your the number one thing that you enjoy hunting? Okay, so I think, so when I started out, since I'm from Tampa, you know, we're surrounded by, surrounded by water pretty much everywhere. Um, so I started fishing when I was like three years old, me and my dad would go. And when we, when we were at home, I would sit there with a bottle cap on the end of my, my rod and throw it in the, in the pool, you know, just just mess around. Um, but I started hunting. My dad took me hunting when I was first time. I think I was eight years old. Uh, we hunt in South Georgia. So I've been hunting since I was eight years old. It's my wow. favorite thing to do other than baseball. Um, you know, a whole off season, I'll, I'll be in the woods. You know, you can't find me. I'll go off wow. the grid. But um, deer hunting is probably my favorite. And then duck hunting would be my second favorite. Okay. Well, you got to find some spots here then, right? I know that's still uh, yet to be determined for you, yeah. but I'm sure it's something that you're actively trying to remedy right now. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I haven't found any locals yet. Okay. Locals well, yet. we'll put out the call right now. We need recommendations ASAP. <laughs> Connor Scott, thanks so much for taking the time and talking with us, man. We appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And welcome back here on A-Ball with Eric Yost. You just heard from one of the Lumber Kings' top prospects, really everyday center fielder, Connor Scott, and I think you can hear it in that interview. Pretty mature. He's only 19 years old, and it's kind of hard to believe. You have to check the roster sheet just to confirm it because Scott, he carries himself very well, very personable, and he's fun to watch, folks. He, he runs well. In fact, I think on episode one we had Mike Jacobs talk about the running pattern of Connor Scott. He's very fast, but... It's kind of an awkward running, and he called it Hunter Pensish, if that is any comparison that helps uh, describe what you can see from Connor Scott. But it's been listed by Baseball America, one of the five-tool players, 19 years of age, so still developing those tools. And we've seen flashes of them all. Great great arm in center field. He covers a lot of ground. And the average, as we said, 191. So you think, wow, really rough start for the 
the 19-year-old, but this is a level that at 19 is very tough, full season A ball. And, Scott, as we said, that 190 average is, you could think, a, a lot higher than that just given kind of the bad luck that has found them. But the Lumber Kings as a whole, they have been picking it up. We talked about the pitching staff with the likes of Chris Valamon, Alberto Guerrero, and Humberto Mejia. And how about the Lumber Kings with some newer arms that have been here as well? There's kind of been a flood of roster moves right before this broadcaster had gone on assignment. The injury bug has bit the team a little bit here. Peyton Colbertson had been placed on the injured list. He's now no longer with the team, which means his rehab will begin down in Jupiter, the complex for the Miami Marlins. But in addition to that, Lumber Kings also saw Bubba Hollins placed on the injured list. Remember, we've been highlighting Bubba because while he was at one point the number two hitter in all of the Midwest League, a 358 average, in fact, when he had pulled up on an injury. What had happened was Hollins, he had ran to second base, and then the ball had gotten away, so he went down to third, and as he did so, he had a noticeable limp, and then he had a head-first slide into the bag at third, and he was in safe, but then had to be taken out of the game. The very next day, placed on the injured list. Happy to report, though, that Hollins is still with the team here with the Lumber Kings. In fact, had made the journey out east, which tells us that Hopeful that he could be back shortly. Has meant that Tanner Andrews has been assigned here to Clinton, and we're likely to see him in the starting rotation. So another starting pitcher for the Lumber Kings. Andrews had made his season debut not too long ago. When can we record this on May the 6th, as Andrews had appeared in his first contest as a Lumber King. And the opener against the South Bend Cubs on May the 3rd to pick up his first save with four innings of work. Andrews is likely to get the start on Thursday in the series finale against the Dragons on Wednesday, May 8th. So he's one of the newer ones added into the rotation in innings eater. Lumber Kings pitching staff, which is now starting to have that complement of offense and maybe stringing some wins together. It's always been tight baseball games this season, so it's just a question of having the ball bounce a little bit more in their favor at times. The other person that had come out to Clinton and we kind of foreshadowed this when we had Dick Scott on a couple of weeks back. Well, it's his son, Zach Scott. If you followed the Lumber Kings last season, Zach Scott, he was a Seattle Mariners prospect and was in Clinton. He was with the Lumber Kings and then was cut at the end of the season. The Miami Marlins came calling. He was in extended spring training assigned to Clinton on May 2nd. Didn't get here, though, until May the 3rd. In fact, Zach Scott in just a inside baseball type of information to tell you it's kind of a rough travel day they think he had a flight coming out to quad cities which is the nearest airport in clinton and they didn't put any of the bags on the plane and so that meant that for zach scott a very long night but scott of course he's a great guy so he made a joke that he just can't get away from clinton it doesn't matter what organization he is with so all roads leading to clinton for zach scott Good to see him back here as the Lumber Kings will be again on their Eastern Division Tour here, the Dayton Dragons, which is a series that starts again as we record this on May the 6th on a Monday, and then will be coming to an end two days later. All night games here in Dayton on Wednesday, May the 8th. That series will then continue Thursday, May 9th, or rather a series against the Bowling Green Hot Rods Thursday, May 9th through Saturday, May 11th, and a league-wide off day for Mom's Day. And the Lumber Kings will then be back out on the road to continue the nine-game road trip against the Burlington Bees Monday, May 13th through Wednesday, May 15th. So a time to 
plug of the broadcast, and we do it shamelessly here on A-Ball with Eric Ellis. Of course, we want to see you out to as many games as possible, but of course you can listen to all the action of Lumber Kings baseball in the 2019 season with yours truly on the call, Eric Ellis. You can find those at 100.3 FM WCCI for those of you within the broadcast range. For those of you who are connecting via the interwebs, you can find us at LumberKings.com via the TuneIn Radio app. It's going to do it here for our episode of A-Ball. A big thanks to our guest, Connor Scott, for talking with us and taking the time. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back next week. And I, we don't want to give away who the interview might be, but we might have to wrangle Sean Reynolds and get him on the air. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about. Exit velocities, uh, launch angles. We can get into all of that and just home runs in general. Chicks dig the long ball. Broadcasters dig the long ball. Everybody digs the long ball. That's going to do it for our episode, everyone. Hopefully we'll have you back next week and maybe on a broadcast as well. That will do it for us here on episode number six of A-Ball with Eric Ose.